Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. And it shoots and scores! Tomas Hurdle hits the jackpot! You're listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide. Brought to you by Coors Light. Score! Logan Couture wins it in overtime! Now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. Ice, it's flipped to the left. Here's Schimek across the line. Drops it off the boards, gets a return feed. Gloves one down on the return pass from Meyer. Fed in front, score! Logan Couture got a pass from Meyer, and the Sharks are now down by one. It's the Penguins six, the Sharks five, and Logan Couture comes up huge. His 12th goal of the season draws the Sharks within one goal. Wow, amazing. Yeah, I mean, no one, no one's happy. 20, 20 bad minutes, and it could have been ten easily. Um, shockingly, it was only six. It would have been way more. Um, but yeah, bad first. Um, gotta take the positives out of it. We said uh, this is a, a four-game trip, and we, we've got to build on our game at some point. And I thought we did in the second and third. There, I thought uh, easily we we could have tied it up with uh, with about five minutes left there. I missed a chance, and we had a few other good looks that could have gone in. And, um, you know, we made a game out of it. All right. Good morning, everyone. How are we all doing? The first morning tide of 2022 is upon us. And we had a result from the Sharks that was, well, interesting to say the least. Let's start off by looking at the standings. The San Jose Sharks with yesterday's loss have dropped to sixth in the Pacific Division. 17 wins, 15 losses, one overtime loss, 35 points on the year. Two points back of fifth place L.A., Three points back of fourth place Edmonton, five points back of third place Calgary, six points back of second place Anaheim, and ten points back of first place Vegas. The Sharks are also now tied in points with seventh place Vancouver, and down in eighth place is Seattle with 24 points. And if you look at the Pacific Division right now, seventh through second is separated by six points. That means that there is no one other than Las Vegas that is showing any signs of pulling away. The Sharks could easily rattle off a couple of wins and jump up towards second place. Anaheim could easily rattle off a couple of losses and fall down. That means the Sharks, they are still with the pack, quote-unquote, which is obviously where they want to be. But when you have demoralizing periods of hockey like we saw yesterday, I don't think that's something that they want to be doing very consistently as we look towards what will be a wild card fight for this team. You know, they could climb up into that second or third place position, whatever. Things are going to change, obviously. And if we do look at the wild card, the Sharks are in fifth now, but only three points separate them from fifth and first place in the wild card, Colorado. I just think that the Sharks have not been able to play that consistent hockey. It's always put together a couple of wins, followed by a couple of losses. The best streak they've had all year was the first four games of the year in which they won four in a row, 
And then they lost three in a row, and then they were able to come back and get some wins, and it's just kind of been back and forth since that point. The Sharks are an okay team right now, and, I, and I'm fine with them being an okay team. I think it's just hard when you see themselves put themselves in a bad position where you think they should be better than this. And I don't mean that they're not playing to their talent level, but it's like they're showing up in certain games in certain situations and not playing nearly good enough as you would think that they would be capable of doing given what the context of the game is. Like yesterday, it's coming off of two straight wins. You seem to have rectified a lot of problems that you had on Tuesday night in that first game in 10 plus days when you, you know, it's 8-7 in overtime or excuse me, a shootout over Arizona. You would like to think that that game against the Flyers on Thursday night was all the rectifying that they needed. They were going to come correct, that they were going to play a better game of hockey, and then they give up a goal on the first shot of the game. And then they give up another goal, and another goal, and another goal. And, I mean, it was just watching this was like, what on earth is happening? I mean, I just, I cannot explain how you walk into a game that mentally unaware or seemingly unprepared for what's going to come at you. I understand Pittsburgh is not the juggernaut they were half a decade ago, but that Pittsburgh team still has names. That Pittsburgh team still has ability, and they can make you pay if you are not walking into a game ready. And I feel like the Sharks just did not... It was like the coffee hadn't settled. It was like they didn't get their caffeine. It was like they were completely playing half asleep. And I, I just don't understand how that happens. And I know that, yes, it's difficult to fly across the country and play in the Eastern time zone, and it's a 10 a.m. game. But you know what? Like, you, you got to be ready. And the Sharks weren't ready for the game. You, you looked at them, and they were making mental errors. They were making play error errors. They were putting themselves in a bad position. And if you want to win on the road in the NHL, I, I think perhaps nothing is more important than the start. I mean, I go back to that game, you know, a little bit ago against the Rangers, and they give up that early goal, and then suddenly they couldn't fight themselves to get back into it. And we had a stretch where Aiden Hill was giving up early goals on the road, and the Sharks were not able to fight back into the game in, in a lot of those games. And, I, you know, we've talked so much this year about the Sharks, you know, having a slow start, and it seems like something that comes back to haunt them time and time again. This is a front-running team, and I, I think that's not a shocker to anyone. If you score first, you're giving yourself a chance to take control of a game, especially so on the road. And that that's maybe why I was so shocked at what I saw yesterday. It was like, you know exactly what you need to do, and they're not doing it. And that, to me, is the most troubling aspect that's come out of these games where they've just been asleep at the start. And I don't mean that in the terms of, yes, it was 10 a.m. to their body clock, because, of course, that's a factor. But every game in the NFL, for instance, where a West Coast team is going out on the road essentially turns into 10 o'clock in the morning on their body clock. So it's not like the NHL is the only sport that has to deal with these early morning starts. I know it's a little bit more outside of the norm for hockey to have these starts, but whatever your career throws at you, whether you are a sports broadcaster, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a professional athlete, you've got to be ready for it. I've done early morning broadcasts, and I know this is a horrible comparison, but you have to adjust your day accordingly to get everything ready to go for an earlier performance than usual. That's what the profession dictates. And that's, again, I'm not questioning their effort. I'm not questioning any of these things. I don't think they weren't prepared, but it was like they just, they showed up and were sleepwalking. And what makes it all the more frustrating is that if they had been able to stop the bleeding at three or four, they probably could have won the game. 
I mean, credit to the Sharks. They had an absolutely abysmal first period. Then they woke up and were the better team for two out of three periods of the game. But their start was so bad that they couldn't recover. I mean, it's such a frustrating thing to watch, right? Because they came back. They played a a much more controlled second period. They got another goal to make it a 6-2 game after being down 6-1 after the first period. They looked like they were connecting passes better. They looked like they were playing much more in line with the hockey we saw Thursday night against the Flyers. They were cleaner. You had Sachenko come in. And listen, Logan Couture said it best. He said, you know, they screwed Reimer by playing that bad of a first period. Well, Sachenko came in and played brilliantly. And then the Sharks all around him played a much cleaner game. It was like, how is it this much difference between 40 minutes ago and what we're seeing now? I mean, that was... That was night and day. And the fact that the Sharks can seemingly flip that switch like that, it's like that switch needs to be flipped going into the first period because suddenly they're playing desperation hockey. And yes, Pittsburgh maybe took their foot off the gas a little bit more than they did in that first period. But I think that the Sharks, more than anything, played their brand of hockey in the second period and it settled things down completely. It's just, where was that? I mean, it's absolutely just it blows me away. I don't know. I mean, it's it's so strange to see a team that can be so completely different from one period to the next. And we've talked about this time and time again this year. What was the difference between the first and the second? What was said between those two periods? It's these themes of repetition of a slow start or having a bad moment or being able to come out and come back with a better performance because, you know, they have had some comebacks this year. It's not been the norm, but they're capable of doing it. But you just wonder why it takes that much for them to kind of wake up and get things going. But once they did get their legs under them, they were able to more dictate the game. They were able to play their style of hockey, and Pittsburgh responded accordingly. Now, Sachenko made some absolutely remarkable saves. He had a phenomenal appearance for his first ever NHL appearance, and just watching him make athletic saves and playing with confidence. He saw the puck so well, just was coming up with huge save after huge save. And he got, you know, he caught some breaks in there too, where one went behind him and just went across the the bottom of the crease and didn't go in. Yeah, sometimes you need a break in your debut like that. But for the most part, he was looking absolutely phenomenal. He looked like he was on top of what was coming at him. And I just felt like when he was absorbing the rush, And when he was watching the puck come towards him, his vision and his positioning and everything was just absolutely unbelievable. And I I just, to watch him come in and play like that, I mean, my hat's off to him because the Sharks needed somebody to come in and settle things down and not give up a goal and not, you know, have their mistakes punished. And listen, I did not think Reimer was the problem in the first period. I don't think he had his best period of hockey, but he was put in a lot of terrible situations. But Sachenko seem to meet the moment in a different way than, you know, what we've seen from Reimer or Hill so far this year. He just looked a little bit different uh, in net. And maybe that's because we haven't seen him so far, but I just, I really enjoyed watching his game. It was just a very engaged, a very aggressive style of minding the net that I thought was fun to watch. And, you know, listen, that's not to say that Reimer and Hill haven't had incredible games this year where they've been fun to watch as well, but, you know, I'm not as well-versed with Sachenko and it was, it was fun. I just enjoyed watching him have that experience. And I think that was, you know, that that was one of those things where you wonder if the Sharks were watching him put that 
type of performance out there and saying, okay, this guy is not giving up on the game. This guy, we've got to rally around him. He's coming out here in his first NHL performance and playing out of his mind, standing on his head. We've got to meet that performance. We've got to show him that we can be the team that needs to be on the ice right now to meet what he's putting out there on the ice. And I think the Sharks fed off that. I think watching those big saves come up, I think they were able to kind of settle themselves and then build that momentum going into the third period. And then the third period, they were by far the better team. And Pittsburgh was absolutely reeling. You know, it's it's 6-2, and all of a sudden it's 6-3, 6-4, 6-5. And the Sharks are creating opportunities left and right, and they got robbed off a of one off the post, and there were some other big saves that were made by DeSmith. And it was just it was unbelievable to see them start fighting back and see them get themselves into the game, and you're thinking, okay, it's 6-5. Can they get that game-tying goal? Now, there were some calls, I thought, that were not made that could have put the Sharks on a power play, and that's the way it goes, I guess. And I guess there were some calls that didn't go against the Sharks that could have you know, put them in a, in a penalty kill earlier in the period or in different situations. And you know, my only answer to that is don't put yourself in a situation where you're relying on the officials to try and help you win and or help you not lose a game because that's what the Sharks did. When you go down 6-1 after the first period, you essentially need every single break, every single ounce of the universe to be in your favor to come back and win the game. And the Sharks didn't get that. And that's on them. That is 100% on them for putting themselves in a 6-1 deficit that they not they were not able to come back from. You know, Barabanov scored that first goal in the first period to make it 4-1. And if they'd stopped it there, you might have been able to come back in this game and win it. But they didn't. You go into the second period, and what happens? Brent Burns gets a goal, then Matt Nieto, then Middleton, and then you get a big goal from Logan Couture. So when you have your Barabanovs and your Coutures and your Midsies and your Burns, you're getting production from everywhere, and that's something we've really wanted to see from the Sharks this year. It seemed that too often it's been individual performances or one line and not the other lines, and in this game, you were able to get production from all over your roster. It's just unfortunate that it has to come in a loss, in a comeback that fell short. And I think there must be somewhat of a moral aspect in the fact that the Sharks should look at themselves and say, okay, guys, what happened there? We're capable of coming back on the road in a situation where we're down 6-1 and make it a 6-5 game. Why can't we do that earlier? Where is that desperation from the initial face-off? Where is that desperation two minutes into the first period when you're down by two goals, or I guess it was three minutes into the first when they give up the second goal. But my point stands, where is that when you come out the gates? And I think if they can find that, the results are going to come their way because the Sharks have shown that they can get themselves back into a game. They can have a a bad period and rectify it. But if you put yourself in a situation where if you win two periods of a game and you still lose, that's not going to do very good things for your overall standing. And I think that this team is capable of doing more. And that, again, the, the frustration with the capability of what this team can be versus what they're actually doing is where so much of the frustration comes with this team, whether it's a one nothing loss on the road against the Rangers or whether or not it is a loss against the Kraken or whether or not it is falling down 6-1 only to make it a 6-5 game and to walk away with a loss. I mean, you, you just... You see these games slipping away when how big six extra points would be right now. Or just if you look at yesterday, score five goals on the road and not be able to get a point out of that. These results have ramifications, especially when we look at the standings and especially when we look at what we think they could be versus what they are in terms of the overall standings. 
They are 33 games into the season right now. And yes, the Sharks have been better than a lot of people expected. And I think there is something to be said for that. But I also think that the next step for this team is to be not just better than what people thought, but more play to their level of capability and more play to their ceiling as opposed to being inconsistent from one game, one period to the next. I mean, they have quality wins this year against teams like Carolina or against a Calgary team that was pretty hot when they played them or against a Winnipeg team that had really high expectations coming out of the gate on the season. They are capable of beating very good teams. However, they're also capable of playing to the level of their competition in a team like Seattle and coming up short, and that's not a knock on Seattle. That's just where the Sharks are. They can play and hang with the really, really good teams, and they can play and get beaten by the not-so-good teams, and you just don't know which Sharks team is going to show up on the ice from one game to the next or one period to the next. But I just wonder what is said and what the feeling is like between that first and second period where they're just absolutely blown up 6-1. What are they all looking and saying to each other at that point? And obviously you'd think that nothing really does have to be said, and we'll get into this a little bit more on the other side. But I have to imagine they're looking at themselves and thinking, we're better than this. Why does this happen? What is going on where we're having such awful stretches of hockey? And then they could probably look at themselves after the second period and say, hey, guess what? We rectified that. We're in this were it not for such an abysmal first period. And then after the third period, when they play really, really well, draw a penalty that I, I didn't love, and then they give up an empty netter, and then one more after that, and it goes from 6-5 to 8-5, it probably leaves an overall very, very sour taste in your mouth. And what are they going to do against Detroit on Tuesday? What are they going to do against Buffalo on Thursday? What are they going to do against the Flyers on Saturday? You would hope that they respond in big time after getting such a wake-up call in this Pittsburgh game because I think the Sharks can easily beat these teams. And I don't mean easily as in it's going to be easy, but I don't have a hard time seeing them walk away with wins. But on the other side, I don't have a hard time seeing them walk away with losses. It would be relatively easy to see them walk away with losses because you don't know which Sharks team is going to show up. But I would hope that this team does have some sort of team meeting away from the coaches, away from everyone else, where they can all look at themselves and say, guys, if we were down 5-1, if we were down 4-1, if we had stopped the bleeding at 3, we come back and we win that game. We have the ability, what is happening that is keeping these slow starts consistently occurring? If the Sharks can figure that out, it will go a long way in changing the narrative of what's happening this year. Because again, I look at what's coming up on the schedule. At Detroit, winnable game. At Buffalo, winnable game. At Philadelphia, winnable game. You come back home, Detroit, winnable game. Rangers, winnable game. I know the Rangers are better than expected this year, but I still think the Sharks can beat them. Then home versus Pittsburgh, winnable game. Then home versus LA, winnable game. Then on the road versus Seattle, Winnable game. You don't have a juggernaut on your schedule again until the 22nd of January when you see Tampa Bay come into town. You know, that's going to be a tough game. Then you go out on the road and you have three in a row against Washington, Florida, and Carolina. So the end of the month, you have four consecutive games against Tampa, Washington, Florida, Carolina. Those are tough games. However, between what the Sharks have Tuesday and the 17th, or excuse me, the 20th versus Seattle, all winnable games. 
The Sharks need to put themselves in a situation to win all these games. They do that by not being slow out the gates and having to chase a game one minute, two minute, three minute, four minutes into a game. All right, we're going to get into some post-game reaction on the other side. You're on Morning Tide. That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Welcome back to Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Sharks can't clear. Marino, cross-ice, Pedersen, winds up, deliberately shoots it wide because Gregor was coming out to take the angle away and front that puck. No block for Gregor. Puck was put wide. Sharks try to clear now. Can't do it. Kept in Marino, walking the slot, backskating, throwing it across, and a great save by a double pad stack from Sachenko on the one-time shot from the right-wing side by O'Connor, who thought that he had a goal. Yeah, I thought so. I thought, you know, um, it was a message to the team putting him in there after the first, obviously. And, uh, um, you know, young guy, it's not, never played uh, a game before. And, you know, going into a 6-1 game in a building like this against a team like this, I think, uh, you know, I thought he showed a lot of character. I thought he battled hard for us and he gave us a chance to come back in the game. You know, we got better as the game went on, but by no means our best. Um, we had to switch up a bunch of lines and find offense in different situations. But, uh, you know, when you score five goals on the road, you should at least come out with a point. So I think that speaks to a couple things on our on our side. A save from Sachenko and Bob Bugner bringing us back here on Morning Tide on a Monday morning. This is what Logan Couture saw out of Sachenko, who had, in my opinion, a very, very nice performance in his NHL debut. Incredible. I just tossed saw him after the game and, you know, he feels bad about that goal he let in. Uh, but uh, it was, you know, because of him, we were able to fight back and uh, almost win that game and or get a point out of it. All credit goes to him. First NHL appearance. Um, guy that's fought his way to, to pro hockey. Great guy. I've gotten to know him here a little bit and uh, really, really happy for him. Yeah, if there is one feel-good takeaway out of yesterday's game after a 6-1 deficit and an improbable comeback that got at least close to the Sharks being able to tie the game, Sachenko is the feel-good story. I mean, you walked away thinking to yourself, wow, that was a lot better than I thought it could be. He was just very athletic and very composed and able to make some remarkable saves. This is what Sachenko had to say after the game. Yeah, I think you just build on this. I mean, it's there's very few that can get to this level. And now to say that you've done it, you know, regardless of the result is is something you can build on and, and some for your confidence, right? So whether you're, you know, whatever your, your next game is, you want to go into that knowing that you can play at this level and, you know, basically doing everything you can to get back here because ultimately this is the pinnacle. And here's the deal. He will get more looks at the NHL level because we've seen Reimer has gotten injured this year. We've seen Hill have to miss some time. Obviously, we're going through that right now with the COVID. And, you know, you're going to have opportunities where you will have to rely on that depth. And I think that the Sharks can probably look at themselves and say, okay, we feel a little bit better than what we had previously. Because that's, listen, there is opportunity in everything that's happened to the Sharks this year. Earlier in the year, it was the COVID-shortened Sharks, who you got to see more from Ryan Merkley. You got to see more from a number of players. 
And then now you get this experience as well, where you get to take a look at Sachenko in an, in an experience that you were not expecting to happen for this player at this time because you didn't know that the Sharks were going to just have an abysmal first period and give up six goals. And, you know, you pull Reimer because there's no reason to keep him out there and have him deal with that going forward. So you get Sachenko this opportunity in a game where anything can happen. And anything did happen where Sachenko made incredible saves and looked like a remarkably composed netminder. I mean, that was the thing that really struck me. It wasn't just the fact that he made the big saves. It wasn't just the fact that he got thrown in and was out there as the Sharks had this improbable comeback fall short, but it was just the fact that he didn't look like he was overwhelmed by the moment. Last year, I remember when Kojanash came in for his first start and he looked like it was just all moving very fast, very bright-eyed, very like, whoa, NHL experience, not quite ready for it. And he had some better starts later on that allowed him to calm down, but Sachenko came in and just looked like it was ho-hum, whatever, I'm going to go out there and make some huge saves. And you need guys like that. You need guys, and by the way, I'm not saying that he should be like this in every game going forward. There's obviously going to be bumps in the road, but you just saw a very composed and very ready-for-the-moment player who went out there and did the job that he was asked to do. I mean, that, to me, is so important and so critical to see from organizational depth, to see from a player when he gets that opportunity. You never know when opportunity is going to come to you in life, but are you going to be ready for it? With Sachenko, we most definitely saw that. Well, it started all when when they get that early one, and you know I was looking at Rhymes. Rhymes wasn't playing bad whatsoever. It's just one of those nights where. You know, we ended up giving up a lot, and unfortunately, those happen from time to time. You know, I've been there as a goalie, and I'm, I'm sure Rhymes has too. It, and then once, once it gets to you know three, four, it's like, oh no, you start kind of mentally preparing for it that uh, you know you you might be going in, and then you know when that period comes to an end, I think the score after one was six one, maybe you're you're kind of realizing, okay, here's the situation. You know, there's there's 40 minutes left and we're down by five here. So I was able to talk with, with Sabs, our goalie coach here. And he kind of came in, just gave me a heads up, Hey, go out there and go play. And then, you know, it was kind of easy because, you know, I didn't have all day to think about it. It wasn't my first start here. It was just my first, first minutes in the NHL. So it was kind of just go out and play, which was, you know, non-traditional, but it uh, was kind of beneficial as well. So Sachenko, obviously the feel good takeaway after what was a disappointing performance or at least a disappointing start against the Penguins. I can't even call it overall a disappointing performance because the Sharks came back to make it a one-goal game. It looked like it was going to be a blowout. It turned into something very, very different, which leads to the overall frustrations we're feeling this morning. But when all was said and done, the Sharks made a game of it. So you have to figure out what exactly happened to start off that game. Here's Bob Bugner. Well, for me, it was more uh, Ford's uh, RF3, our high guy in zone. We got caught deep um, below the tops of the circles, gave them outnumbered rushes. Our D would pinch. Um, and not have any support for the forward covering up. And, uh, you know, again, I don't, I think we had a couple of mishaps, a couple of mistakes, and, and that's when you need a save. And I think, you know, Rhymes has been our, one of our best players all year. And I think that, uh, um, he may have struggled early on and, and we just couldn't, couldn't cap it, couldn't put a cap on it and, and just, you know, stop it at two or three. Um, it looked like, uh, you know, the wheels completely fell off and, and, um, you know, it looked like we were stuck in mud a little bit proud of the comeback, proud of the battle back, but, uh, you know, we should have never been in that situation. And here's Eric Carlson's take on what happened. Do you ask anyone to fly cross, cross country and then play a, you know, 1 p.m. Eastern time game, 10 a.m. for us uh, the next day against, uh, you know, the Pittsburgh Penguins, you know, this can happen. And it did. Um, there's no excuses. 
and you know that's that's not necessarily the entire reason for it but you know we we weren't there uh, we weren't ready uh, they were and as i said you know they capitalized on uh, you know 80 percent ish something of of every chance that they got and as i said you know we gave them a lot of chances so um you know it just happened just hope it doesn't happen again and i think there is very much a blunt reaction there from eric carlson where he's saying yeah you know what it's not a great situation but the team needs to be better because it can happen and obviously it did happen logan couture uh well i think first of all we didn't have our legs we we look flat we turned pucks over we gave up too many odd man rushes um defensive zone we were soft they got a few bounces on goals off shin pads on their tape yeah so there's probably five to ten reasons why they were up six one so lots of lots of reasons so they were able to regroup after the first period down six one at that point and put together a much much better performance Here's Bob Bugner on whether or not there's any moral victory and being able to take away a positive out of the performance the Sharks were able to put together in the second and specifically the third period. Yeah, I think points are more important than anything else. But, you know, we talked about that between the second and the third, 6-2. Um, anything can happen. Carolina was down 4 nothing last night against Blue Jackets, came back, it's won the game 7-4. So I don't think there's any safe leads, but you don't want to put yourself in that situation. Um Again, and we got a couple quick ones and all of a sudden, you know, we, we lit up there. But, uh, um, you know, for me, it's more, you know, obviously Rhymes had a tough night in the first period and, and uh, um, but I don't think we helped him at all. I thought that we were um, very loose in our defensive zone and spent way too much time down there. And, um, you know, for a game that we're looking at, we should have some energy and, and they're they in the first game back. I thought that it looked the opposite way around and, uh um, there's really no excuse for it. You can talk about travel, time change, all this other stuff. At the end of the day, we played on Thursday night, practice Friday, and we flew yesterday. So they should have plenty of rest. And Eric Carlson also weighed in on what was the biggest change out there that happened in the third period. No, I think as the game went on, you could you could see. I don't think that – I think everybody felt fresh and everybody felt ready at, 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 at you know, puck drop at the first period. But it, it took us a while to get going, as you could tell. And I think in the third, kind of felt like everybody had their legs underneath of them. And, and you know, we were just, we were just taking – a shift at a time and and uh you know we made it interesting and uh you know we did the best that we could we got really close but uh you know obviously the first period uh you know uh killed us today a frustrating game a bad taste left in your mouth after felt like what could have been a winnable game given the fact that the sharks were able to fight themselves back into this one just frustrations across the board but Winnable games on the horizon for the San Jose Sharks as their next scheduled game is coming up on Tuesday night or Tuesday afternoon our time against Detroit. Let's see if the Sharks can bounce back with a much, much better performance and a much, much better start. All right, that wraps it up for this edition of Morning Tide for the San Jose Sharks. I'm Ted Ramey signing off. You've been listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide brought to you by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network.